Welcome back to another episode of the BC Buckets Podcast, the official podcast for Briarcliff University Basketball. My name is Matt Gall. I'm joined here, as always, by head coach Marks Figuera. And this is a pretty uh, special episode this week. we got a few things going on, so we've got a lot of information to share with you guys. But it's Halloween week, and it is also officially game week. Coach, how does it feel to, to be talking games? Well, you know, I think I said a couple weeks ago, when we get to this time of year, the guys are really excited to play games as they should be you know they put in a ton of time a lot of work so far this this preseason as a coach I'm still thinking holy cow are we ready yet are we ready yet and and I know deep down we are we have a great group of guys who, who have worked really really hard through practices and workouts and weight room really dating back to last spring and and now it's time to reap some of the re- rewards of that all the hard work they put in and all the sacrifices they've made and and so yeah it's here um, it's an exciting week this is an exciting podcast. We got a special guest who I'm, I'm really jacked to have on here, and a really old friend of mine, and, and, and we'll get to him in just a little bit. But yeah, let, let's talk game week number one. So before we do that, let's talk uh, about a few other things first. You know, last week we talked about the GPAC coaches poll, which came out. Uh, this week the NAIA poll came out. And as we predicted, you know, the GPAC was, was very present uh, and represented well. Briarcliff's there receiving votes. Uh, so uh, certainly still getting some recognition, although it seems like maybe some voters out there think maybe there's going to be a slight step back from an Elite Eight team. But still, when your name's getting recognized at the national level, uh, there's going to be some expectation. What, what do you think when you see a poll like that come out? What does that mean to you at this point in the year? Is it purely just something to look at or, or what do you, what do you take away from that i guess well I, I think you said it it's always nice to be recognized and like i said last week and i think maybe even the week before that with all these polls especially the preseason ones it just doesn't mean a whole lot um it it's like i said it's nice to be recognized to be the fifth team in our own league getting recognized getting votes i think that's a great thing for our league i think it speaks to the respect our league has on the national level because there's only a couple leagues who had five teams throughout all of it and and we were one of them and so i think that's a great thing i think it's a credit to our league i think it it's a sign that our league's going to be really really good this year because i i truly believe that but uh, at this point doesn't mean much and and really i certainly pay attention to it um as we go and more polls come out the further along we get the more important it is and the later in the season we get to, the more we want to be up in the rankings in the top 20, whatever it is, because that's going to potentially make or break national tournament at large bids. But we're a long way off from that right now. Um, we need to focus on what's in front of us this next week or these next couple weeks before we get to GPAC games. Yeah, well, and like you said, though, in the NAI, being in the poll does – uh, have a, a pretty significant impact on your chances to get an at-large bid when you're talking tournament. And so, you know, to, to already be up there in the mix, you know, certainly uh, gives you an advantage from that standpoint that you're already on the radar and you don't have to climb your way in. So uh, that's those are good things. Those are exciting things. It's obviously going to be another tough year in the GPAC and, and one that, uh, you know, will begin – uh, a little ways down the road before we get into conference play you guys have a non-conference slate uh, and three of those games are actually this week so why don't we just get right into that on tuesday october 29th at seven o'clock and that's actually the day this podcast will probably be released 
will probably be released. So hopefully a lot of you are listening to this on the road, on the way to campus here, or, or in preparation of hitting the road to get to campus. But again, Tuesday, October 29th at 7 o'clock at home against Graceland, a member of Heart of America Conference. Uh, they've had a pretty successful history, recent history, I guess. Two years ago, they were the NAIA Division One national champion. Uh, last year, uh, they went 16 and 15, so so maybe not as successful as the year before, but certainly a storied program and, and one that uh, knows how to win. Coach, what do you know about Graceland, and what are you expecting to see Tuesday night on your home court? Well, I tell you what, these early season games, especially real early like this, there's not a whole lot of film out there. You know, Graceland, for example, has played one game. They played Friday night. Um, they, they lost to Lincoln College out of Illinois in a close game. And so we have that film, and we, we can have at least a feel for what they want to do on both sides of the ball. They really have a almost an entirely new team from a year ago, and it, it's been two years since we played them. You know, that year they won the national championship. We actually won down at their place in a really close, really ugly game. But uh, So they're, they're coming up here this time. But they're, they're a big and physical team. They're a pretty athletic team. Uh, they really rebound the ball well. That, that was one thing that really stuck out to me, just watching their film from, from Friday night. And, you know, it, it's one of those games where a lot of it has to be about us doing what we do, not necessarily all that consumed with what Graceland's trying to do or, or any opponent for that matter. This early in the season, you have to rely on your own fundamentals and your own, you know, the basics of what we want to do. And so that's going to be – kind of our game plan there's a couple things certainly we're going to try to to emphasize with our guys a couple things that we'll need to do or or need to take away maybe to be successful on tuesday night but we really want to make sure we're we're prepared to do everything that we do and so it'd be you know like we already said it, it's exciting time of year get this first one under our belt and and you know there's always going to be probably some some first game jitters and and we're going to have a couple guys out there you know, potentially freshmen playing their first game or, or older guys who haven't played major roles that are stepping into major roles, and, and we're going to work through that. But, you know, it's just it's been a long, long time since we played a game in the Flanagan Center, we're talking eight and a half months almost at this point. And, and so it's going to be good to be back here because we're not going to be here a whole lot over the next month. So to, to get one early is, is a luxury for sure. Let's talk about that because uh, you guys won't play again at home till November 20th, I believe. So uh, you'll be spending quite a bit of time on the road. And that actually starts at the end of this week. You guys play down at the Bellevue Classic uh, on Friday and Saturday, November 1st and 2nd. And Friday night at 5 o'clock, you guys will take on number 22, Bellevue, uh, a team that, you know, we've, we've played a lot the last several years, uh, both in regular season games. We've seen them in the national tournament. Uh, and so we've, you know, had a lot of, of history playing Bellevue. Uh, and they, you know, last year I think had some expectations, maybe didn't play as well as, as they thought they should or as some thought they would. But obviously there's uh, some expectation that they're going to play well again this year. What do you know about Bellevue and, and what do you expect when you go down and play in that game Friday night? Well, first I need to go back. You, you mentioned it's going to be a while. We're on the road a lot here and, and – my first two years as head coach, I blamed every scheduling thing I didn't like on Nick Nelson because scheduling's done, you know, sometimes two years in advance. And so I blamed anything I didn't like on him because I inherited that schedule. And now this, this one's all me. And so if, I, if I'm upset about it, I only have one person to blame now, and that's myself. And, you know, I think I said this once before. I actually like being on the road early. 
it gives us a lot of time together as a group on the bus, hotel rooms, whatever. I think that's really good for a team early in the season. The flip side of it is we have a ton of home games late in the year. You know, you look at our schedule to finish, we have five of six games at home to end the year. And, you know, if you're in any kind of position to to advance into a postseason, that's that's a huge luxury to have. And and so I was actually okay with it because I knew how the GPAC schedule looked when we scheduled this. And, and I know our guys will be up for the test of it. Um, and so getting back to your question, we played Bellevue on Friday night. And Bellevue's a storied program in the NAI. You look at the last 20 years, uh, maybe 18 national tournament appearances. They've been to a couple Final Fours, a couple national championship games. It's just been a really strong program. They actually have a new coach this year um, and, and a lot of new guys. So, honestly, at this point, I, I don't know exactly what to expect. They've played two games already, and I know that our assistant coaches are already hard at work watching that film. I really try to take a one-game-at-a-time approach. So my, my sole focus is on, is on Graceland, and then Wednesday we'll switch to Bellevue. But it's a program that I have immense respect for. We've had some battles with those guys the last two years. You know, I think back to last year, we, Jackson Lamb had a almost buzzer beater to, to win the game here, and that was a big win for us. We played them down at Midland two years ago, and then you mentioned – Three years ago now, we, we played them twice. Once in the regular season, we played them, and, and they beat us in the first round of the national tournament. So we know they're going to be a talented team. They're going to play hard. They're going to really get after us defensively. And it, it, it's a game we'll, we'll need to be ready to play, and, and they will definitely have our guys' attention. So then 24 hours later at 5 o'clock on Saturday, November 2nd, you guys play Nebraska Christian College, uh, also at the Bellevue Classic. Um, I know, like you said, you only look one game ahead, but – you know, that's uh, another team that's going to be on your slate here pretty soon. How do you, you know, it's, it's kind of unusual, I guess, other than tournament time to go from one game into another game in a 24-hour period. How does that uh, play into your routines, your scheduling, the way you get your guys to prepare? Do you spend a little more time maybe uh, looking a couple games ahead in practice just to give you an opportunity to, to – uh, bring your scout team in and, and do some things in preparation for that? Or is it pretty much cramming in that 24 hours to try to figure out what you've got on tap? We, we really try to take it one game at a time. The exception of that would be, and again, you know, our assistant coaches are, are way ahead of where I'm at looking at our opponents. You know, if there's something unique that that second team does, if they're a zone team or if they're a pressing team, we'll try to use some practice time during the week to, to just hit on that and refresh some things because it's not something we necessarily work on every single day. Um, but, but our sole focus will be on Bellevue. And then once that game's over, you know, we have to flip that switch to Nebraska Christian. And, and even that night after we play Bellevue on Friday, we'll meet in the hotel, we'll go over scouting report, we'll watch film on Nebraska Christian. And so win or lose, you have to just kind of move on very quickly from that game. But in terms of routine, it doesn't change a whole lot. And, and we'll do enough of the, the back-to-backs early in the season um, that we'll kind of get a, a feel for how we want to handle that. The nice thing is we, we have a 24-hour turnaround between games. Sometimes you, you end up playing the late game the first day and the early game the next day, and it's like you have – 12, 13 hours is all in between, and, and that's hard on the guys. So this will be nice, and, and the travel's not all that far just down to Bellevue. So be a good event. And, and, you know, Nebraska Christian's a team we have not played before, at least in my time at Briarcliff. Um, they've played a lot of GPAC schools. They've beat GPAC schools over the past three, four years, you know, probably one or two a year. And so they're, they're going to be no pushover. I know they'll play hard. And, uh, you know, we'll just we'll take that one when we get to it Friday night after we play Bellevue. 
Well, and since we're on the topic of Bellevue, uh, you're from the Omaha area, obviously, and, and I know a lot of our listeners rely on this podcast to kind of figure out where they're going to eat pregame and, and uh, where they're going to spend some of their time between games and that sort of thing. So uh, James Roteman reached out on Twitter and uh, wanted to know where some of the pregame spots should be for Bellevue as far as food go. As an Omaha area native, what recommendations do you have for anyone making the trip? Yeah, I, I definitely fancy myself as an Omaha food connoisseur. And I have to give a little disclaimer that most of my knowledge is 20 years old. It's been a long time since I've actually lived in Omaha. But with family there and, and my wife's family there, we get down there a lot. But what I end up doing is I go to the same restaurants that I always went to growing up. And every once in a while we'll try something new, but there's just good places that, that I've gone to forever that, that we really like and there's a nostalgia to it. And so we end up going there. But to answer James's question, there's a couple places in, in the vicinity of Bellevue University which are really good. One is, is Stella's Burgers. That's literally right down the street from Bellevue University. Just an old school hamburger joint. They got great burgers, great fries. Uh, you can't go wrong there. A uh, little bit further out, there's a Mexican restaurant called Nettie's. Just ate there a couple weeks back. Uh, really good enchiladas, and you have to get the chili on top. If you don't like spicy food, don't do that. But if you like spicy food, their chili is phenomenal. So that's a good one. And also in the Bellevue area, there's a, there's a sports bar called DJ's Dugout. Some of the best wings in Omaha and really good selection of food. Great place, good atmosphere. And all three of those places are within – 10-minute drive of Bellevue University. So you can't go wrong with any of those three. All right, so there you have it. So anyone who's uh, planning on making the trip, make sure you uh, take coach's advice and find one of those places. Uh, and, again, don't forget to catch the very first game, also the first home game of the year, on Tuesday, October 29th, 7 o'clock, here at the Newman Flanagan Center on the campus of Briarcliff University. Briarcliff will be taking on Graceland. Uh, should be a great atmosphere. I know it's the Halloween game. I saw some promotions on Twitter, so hopefully some of the students show up in costume. Uh, I know the Blue Crew never fails to disappoint when it comes to uh, showing creative school spirit so it should be a good time should be a great atmosphere hopefully weather cooperates it's still so early in the season so uh, i'm looking forward to it i'll be down there at the scores table uh, catching the game from the front seat like i always do uh, and it's it's here which is awesome it's the best time of the year in my opinion so let's turn our attention now to our guest for the day this is another guy who's getting ready for an upcoming season and uh, coach figuera i'll let you maybe introduce him a little more formally i know you've got a history with uh, brian cooley yeah, I'm, I'm jacked to have Coach Cooley on the podcast today, and, and Brian's a guy that I've known for 30-plus years at this point. We go way back, um, pre-elementary school days in Papillion, Nebraska, and as, as fate would have it, you know, old friends, we're both college basketball coaches, and uh, we've had very different career paths, but um, just a guy that I can, I can talk to, we bounce ideas off each other. And uh, when you're at a different level than somebody, you're not competing for the same kids in recruiting and you're not going to play each other. So bouncing ideas off each other, it's good to have somebody like that. But, but Brian Cooley, associate head coach at Wright State. Coach, how you doing? Hey, Mark. Thanks for having me, guys. Appreciate it. Yeah, so, uh, you know, I mentioned a little bit about our history, but we go way back from Papillion, Nebraska, um, elementary school. Um, we did a lot of uh, basketball, a lot of sports back in the day. I think one thing that sticks out to me is we started gambling at a young age. 
And we did, yeah. Is that NCAA compliant now? I think that's okay, right? Yeah, I, I don't know what the statute of limitations is for you. The NAI rules are a little more relaxed. But I, I know we, we traded a lot of basketball cards from gambling, shooting threes from the top of the hill in my driveway. Yeah, and I don't want to toot my own horn, but I think I beat you more times than not. And uh, it was good pressure shooting. What we would do is we would say top of the key shots for a Michael Jordan card. And winner would get it, loser, or if you missed it, uh, you have to give it up. If you made it, you got it. So it was pressure shooting right away. Well, that, that's right. And I, I don't want to toot my own horn either, but I became a pretty good shooter. And that's, yeah. that's, that's pretty much all I could do as a, as a basketball player. But I, I attribute a lot of it to, to shooting with you and Ryan Hart in our driveways. It was usually three of us playing, and I had to become a good shooter. I was going to lose all my cards, so I, I attribute a lot of it to that right there. Well, I, I will say this so we can move on. There's a And correct me if I'm wrong, is your birthday May 16th? That's correct. Yeah, I know that because I won a bunch from you over a course of a summer, and you were supposed to pay up on your birthday. You are going to get all your gifts and or money and so i just remembered your birthday because of that <laughs> that's actually a true story and unbelievable memory on your part yeah coach cooley who had the more forgiving hoop in their driveway was uh, it all i'd say the, the hearts did yeah very very forgiving you can use a glass easy uh, it was it was terrific yeah that's true he had the the kind of glass backboard or i know i had i had the plastic one yeah um and that's you know that's we get we got to bring him into this a little bit too because there was three of us that, that did all the shooting games and we'd play before school and after school and and Ryan was actually a college basketball coach for five or six years too before he got out of the business so kind of a weird deal that all of us ended up being college basketball coaches. Yeah, definitely. We love we love basketball then we still do now. Yep. So you know I mentioned you and I we go way back and 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 I actually transferred high school so we didn't end up playing together in high school and then we ended up playing against each other in college and you know coach Cooley played at Nebraska Wesleyan uh, when they were a GPAC member I obviously played at Dana so we played each other twice a year for for four years and any memories of that you want to you want to talk about because I've got a couple but I'll let you go first um you know, we, we were, I was a pretty average player at best, and we were a pretty average team, but I do remember taking down the Vikings. We brought the brooms out my junior year, I know. We swept you guys, and then uh, you guys got us pretty good our senior year. Jason Jason Isaacson scored about 100 against us in two games. So, uh, yeah, junior, I remember more of those memories. Yeah, and I actually have two, two fond memories of, actually like three or four fond memories of those senior year games. One was, you know, one of your teammates and another college basketball coach, Bob Ludwig, got dunked on pretty bad by Mark Esser on an out-of-bounds play. And I haven't let him live that down yet. That game, you guys went to a goofy, like, 1-2-2 zone or something like that. And you got called for a foul on me. And it was the most phantom ghost call of all time. And I made both free throws. And the whole time I was at the line, you just kept saying, that's not a foul, Mark. That's not a foul, Mark. And then... The second time we played was at Dan, and it was, it was my senior day. And the only game I started in my career was on senior day, my senior year. And the only time coach ever ran a play for me was the opening tip, because we always won the tip because Esser would win it. And we ran a little ball screen, flare screen, and you were guarding the flare screener. And you got a hold of my jersey with at least one hand, <laughs> maybe two, and just held me all the way through the screen. And I'm never going to let you live that down, because I should have made that three to open the game. Yeah, back back in those days, you can chuck cutters a little bit more. Nowadays, if I did that, I'd probably get a, a flagrant two and be kicked out. But 
we played more like the, the ni- 1990s Knicks where some of those things were illegal. <laughs> oh, but uh, so, yeah, we, you know, we played against each other for four years. Um, some good memories there, but, you know, both got into coaching right away. You know, you want to talk a little bit about your path to, to how you ended up at Wright State here these last few years? Yeah, sure. I thought uh, out of Wesleyan, I was a K-12 PE teacher, and I thought I wanted to be a high school coach and teacher. And literally my first day of student teaching in PE in Bellevue, uh, the second graders just ran wild. I had no control. <laughs> and honestly, the from the second day on, I just w- was looking for GA spots. And I just knew from that day two of teaching, I just didn't have the personality or patience to be a high school teacher. And so uh, I was fortunate enough to get on at, at South Dakota State as a GA for Coach Nagy. And they were just completing their transition um, from D2 to D1. It was the last year. So uh, like my first year as a GA, we won eight games. My second year as a GA, we won 13 games. So we had some pretty lean years. Um, but from then... Uh, just happened to have a, a assistant coaching job open up when I was done being a GA, so it just worked out great, and, and it was kind of just a, the right place, right time. Where Coach Nagy is a great coach, we get a, an NBA guy like Nate Walters in my first year as a full-time assistant. We just kind of took off from there. Um, so I was there seven years as an assistant, and then when Coach Nagy got the job out here in Wright States, um, I came with him, and that was 2016. So, you know, you, you kind of mentioned the timeline, and if I'm not mistaken, you guys, in your time with Coach Nagy, you've been to four NCAA tournaments. Is that correct? Yes, we've been to four. Yeah, we went 2012 and 13, uh, 2016, and then uh, 2018 here at Wright State. So what, what's that like? I mean, you and I have talked about it, but just, you know, playing in such a, a big event, um, What's it like as an assistant coach where you find out on Sunday and you might be playing on Thursday and you have literally 5,000 things to get done and travel and all that to figure out? That's the best feeling as a, as a coach, just being a part of a program with that. I think that the, once you get to the game, the game's normal, but all the lead up to the game is, is where it's, it's completely different. All the hype, all the interview requests, uh, all the attention that the program and players get trying to keep the players at a – even kill, but I'd say all our games have been like the championship game have been on Tuesday, and then you get from Tuesday to, to selection Sunday where you can kind of enjoy it. You're practicing without knowing who your opponent is, so it's a little more uh, laid back, and you can kind of just enjoy it. But once and selection Sunday is a great day where it's just the lead up and the excitement and the build up. Uh, once you hear the, the play, it's it becomes like a real. Like, we knew we played Tennessee in 2018. We knew that was a really tough matchup for us, just stylistically. And uh, so as a coach, right away, it's fun, fun, fun. And you see Tennessee pop up, you're like, oh, crap. Uh, but it's just the preparation and everything, getting your team ready for that. Um, you know, when you're a coach, you, you love staying up all night watching the film, trying to figure out, you know, how they play, what we can attack, what's going to be an issue, all those sorts of things. So it's, yeah, there's nothing like it. All right, so I think I probably know the answer to this because I do the same thing in a national tournament setting. But you know, there's always a group of teams you, you think you're probably going to play one of the group. How many times have you gotten one of those teams that you were just like, this is not a team I want to play? Yeah, it never happens. You spend and you look back and like, man, I wasted a lot of time watching film or just getting the scouting reports semi-ready for that. But, yeah, it, it never happens. We, 
you know, we've gotten, I, I feel like we've gotten a little bad luck. Like in 2013, we played Michigan in Detroit, which was, was a 5-12 game and essentially a road game. And they had, uh, it was a team with Trey, Trey Burke and uh, Karis LaVert come off the bench and Glenn Rath and Tim Hardaway, a bunch of NBA guys that were, uh, they kind of underachieved towards the end of the year. So they got a five seed and, um, and we never thought we'd play something like that. And, and the same thing kind of happened with, with uh, Tennessee, but. Um, yeah, I, I feel like I wasted a bunch of times. It never really works out the way you want it to work out. <laughs> That's the truth, man. You know, you mentioned some of the NBA guys Michigan had, but you guys, um, and, and thinking back to South Dakota State for sure, had a couple NBA guys that you recruited and, and developed and all that. What, uh, you know, what sets those guys apart? Yeah, we had, uh, I talked about earlier, we had Nate um, for four years, and we, we coached Mike uh, his first two years in college, Mike Dom. Uh, I think the biggest thing when we were recruiting them, and then when we were just we coached them, they were, they just loved basketball. They they both had uh, they both had the skill set, IQ, just the natural ability to score the basketball. Uh, they both loved being in the gym. Like Nate, Nate and Mike were probably two of the guys that's you know as far as just when I look back at who was in the gym the most, who loves basketball, who wants to you know be as good as they possibly can be. Those two stand out. And they were like that in high school and, and like that in college. Um, and obviously, you know, at the end of the day, they both were super, super talented, uh, which really sets them apart from anybody else. Yeah, and that makes a lot of sense, obviously. And I, I've never actually seen either of those guys say on record, but I, I have to assume that Coach Cooley's tutelage and individual workouts and all that was a big part of it, too. <laughs> yeah, I don't know about that. I think Mike and, and Nate both are Regardless of who coached them, they would have been uh, they would have been just fine. But it's pretty crazy that two of the best mid-major players in the last 10, 15 years uh, played in Brookings. So uh, other thing too, they're both they just really really coachable. Like Nate was awesome to coach, and besides the fact that he was awesome to coach because he's a great player, he's just awesome to be around and coach every day. And Mike, when we had him his first two years. You know, he had some developing to do as far as just his body and what it took to play college basketball. He's coming from a D1 basketball, class D1 basketball in Nebraska, so we just had some habits he had to ingrain. And Coach Nagy really coached him hard, uh, was on him. And, and the best thing about Mike, he was so coachable. Like, it, it helped him. I don't think guys realize how much that, uh, how much a factor that is for somebody's improvement is if you're coachable and if you're willing to learn and you take the coaching, you're going to improve it. Mike just, you know, his two years and even his whole five-year career, he improved a great great deal. And a lot of that is because he was so coachable. Yep. So you, you mentioned Coach Nagy, and you guys have been together for a long time now. Obviously, you have a, a strong loyalty to Coach and, and vice versa. What makes him so awesome to work for? I mean, obviously, you guys have had a lot of success, but that kind of continuity on a staff is is special. Yeah, he's great to work for. Like, just from a from – a, uh, off the floor standpoint, um, just just the man he is and the character he has, it, 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 it has taught me a lot. Uh, from when I you know came up to now, I mean, every day I'm learning something new. Um, and just from the coaching standpoint, like I, a lot of our a lot of what he thinks about the game of basketball, I, I do as well. Uh, whether it's recruiting the kind of kids that we want to bring in our program, we, we want to recruit, uh, you know, the high character kids that are you know skilled, IQ, know how to play. Um, and that's naturally how I, you know, view recruiting, view the kids I want to have in our program. Um, and then, you know, he, he's a first and foremost, he's a defensive guy too, and, and that's kind of what I've always been brought up on uh, from 
from Nebraska Western is probably mostly because I couldn't do anything offensively. I wasn't a very average offensive player um, my whole college career, so I felt like you know I had a, a greater importance on defense just because I, I couldn't do much else. So uh, just from a, a from a off the court stuff and on the court stuff, we kind of align in all those areas. So he's been great to work for, and that's extent. So talking to Coach Cooley here. Associate head coach at, at Wright State, member of the Horizon League. Talk about the Wright State Raiders, 1920. I know you guys are a couple weeks behind us, but getting ready to rock and roll here pretty soon. What's what's the outlook this year for you guys? Yeah, we've, we're, we're on uh, probably week four of our preseason here. We get going uh, November 5th, but we, we have high hopes. We got picked to win the league, which, you know, doesn't mean a ton, but it does uh, bring some expectations to us. Uh, we have a good core group of older guys coming in. Are coming back, I should say, Cole Gentry, Loud and Love, and Billy Wampler, guys that are just program guys, older, kind of just winners, great locker room guys, just good players. And then we got a bunch of uh, newcomers and younger guys that kind of mix with that. So well, we, we have very high hopes for the year. Um, we went to Italy for our once every four year uh, foreign trip. And I think because of that, we get the extra practices, the extra games over there kind of the extra bonding time that can kind of help blend the old and the new together. So that kind of accelerated our just our, uh, our fall practices and, and where we're at as a, as a group. So we had pretty high hopes. But, you know, this time of year, I think probably you and every college coach out there, or every high school coach out there, just it's a long season. We're not where we want to be right now. Um, I think right now our, our, our defense is quite a bit ahead of our offense, which is probably – pretty normal this time of year but we're we're excited about the the potential of this group so coach like coach figuera i mean obviously you're probably looking at what's right in front of you uh you've got the season just staring you in the face here in just a few days or a week or so uh, who do you got to start the season and uh any you know big road trips for you guys early in the season well we got we have miami ohio out of the mac and uh you know they're always they're only about 40 minutes away from our campus so it's kind of a regional rivalry um, but probably the best, the best team will play in the non-conference. We have a couple good ones, but we have like a Western Kentucky who returns most of their most of their team, and um, an Indiana State, Toledo, Kent State. We we try to play those regional kind of good mid-major leagues. Uh, we got all those all those uh, teams coming to the Nutter Center in Dayton, Ohio. So uh, it's a good schedule, a lot of home games, which we're uh, happy about. Yep. So. Obviously, we, we wish you guys the best of luck, and, and I've had a rooting interest in, in Wright State for a few years now, and, and certainly hope to see you back on TV in, in mid-March again this year. And I'm not trying to put expectations on you, but I'm fully <laughs> expecting that. Yeah. Um, yeah, we do. We do, too. Coach Nagy always says you can either have high expectations or low expectations, and we kind of have the bullseye on our back this year, but we'll take the we, – we, if we had a choice between the high or the low, we want the, the high. Absolutely, and that you know that's something Matt and I have talked about numerous times on the podcast, and and something we're big on at Briar Cliff, and I'm sure you guys are similar, is we don't get too caught up in preseason polls or anything like that, because the the standards and expectations we have here are always going to remain the same. And I, I, in fact, I know you guys have that same kind of thought process. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. And I think, and, and I think our team would tell you, and sometimes it's easier said than done to kind of to to. You know, block out the noise. Last year, we got picked to win the league as well. We kind of started out slow, and, and you know, as a staff, we kind of felt like we didn't handle the expectations very well. The kind of pats in the back, with the, what people thought we were going to be, uh, just just having the bullseye and getting everybody's best shot every game. 
Um, and sometimes it takes a program a little bit longer or just a couple of years to, to figure out how to deal with that pressure of, of having the bullseye. So I think we're this year's group, uh, just having another year experience of kind of um, being picked to win the league will, should benefit from that. Coach, if you could add one guy from the GPAC from your time playing uh, down in Nebraska Wesleyan to your squad this year, who would that guy be? Gosh, that's a good question. Um, what can I say, Mark? Or not? We, we, you know, with the way the game is going, bigs need to shoot the ball nowadays, and I think Mark would be a great stretch five. But if I didn't say Mark, I, I'd probably go maybe a Jason Isaacson, a little two-way player, combo guard, can kind of score and defend it, put up big numbers. That's a good question. I was definitely ahead of my game or ahead of the time, ahead of my time as a pick and pop five. But under no circumstances do you want me playing defense in the Horizon League. Let's be because real. Situational? Can, you, can you guard five though? That's the thing. Like those pick and pop fives are great in the NBA now, but can you switch five late game? Uh, that's can not you, that's not going to work guard. out well for the Wright State Raiders. Yeah. You know, you're going to have to you're going to have to call timeout and sub me out. And just for the record, Mark Mark and I are, are freshmen here. We did play tennis at the request. Um, of our, our in high school, we played tennis at the request of our basketball coach. So in in a he told us it would improve our footwork, and I think he lied because both of us were pretty slow. Yeah, that yeah, it didn't help my footwork at all. What it what it really <laughs> did is is it it gave me a lifelong love of tennis because I, I still play occasionally now. Yeah, um, I hung up a racket many years ago. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so something we always do with our guests, Brian, is, is we just kind of throw some rapid fire questions at you. And, uh, so I, I'm going to, I got a bunch in mind. First one I'm going to throw at you, game of pig right now. Like we're shooting for cards. Who wins me or you? I would. And, and I'll say why we, we do a lot. Like at South Coast stadium in here now, we, Joe Krabinoff and Clint Sargent and, and Rob Klingafoos, we play horse all the time. So I, I have all the trick shots. I go like a one-footed, like right foot bank shot from awkward angles. I can go behind the, the glass. So I don't do any regular shots, but I get the trick shots down. Yeah, that's uh, – I'll be honest with you. I don't think I've actually played basketball for about five or six years. And occasionally I'll shoot, mess around with the guys, maybe play a game of pig with one of our guys occasionally. But it's – I'm not the shooter I once was, unfortunately. Yeah, I, I love playing horse. I can play horse forever. I love it. Coach, how does Dayton's restaurant stack up to Brookings? Oh boy, there's there's a million out here. Our, our whole staff would say that, like when we first, because we came out here, Coach Nagy and three other guys that were on staff at SDSU, I think everybody gained about 10 to 15 pounds because there's so many different options. And Brookings, you know, they had the Subway, the, the Qdoba. In fact, when Qdoba was built, there was a line out the door for about two weeks just because the town was so, so excited. So that would tell you about uh, the, the restaurant options in Brookings. Right. Oh, uh, when when's Wright State gonna bring the the cliff out for an exhibition game in Dayton? <laughs> when are you gonna ask? We'll play ya. You know that's that's no, happened you guys before. Are too good. Like as a as a coach, we wanna you know we we try to avoid the the perennial national tournament Sweet Sixteen teams. You guys are you guys are um, performing at too high a level for us to to get gray hairs in an exhibition game. <laughs> Oh, that's a, that's a, such a politically correct answer. You know, we played Wayne State uh, t- uh, two years ago. Coach Nagy's son, Tyler, played at Wayne State, so we brought him out here. So that was our, you know, that's right down the road from you guys. That's our, our one. That's right. We're, act- we're actually closer, so it'd be cheaper for us. There you go. <laughs> yeah. Come on over. Um, coolest place 
you've played or coached a game in? I think it, it would have to be a pit. Yeah, we played there in the in the University of New Mexico. Um, 16,000 people, just a tremendous fan base. We played them in 2012 for the NCAA tournament. We played them at Baylor there. And then uh, our guys loved us so much, we wanted to schedule New Mexico the following year in 2013. And quick little story, side story, we were playing Belmont. They lost at Belmont. And this would happen all the time to us at SDSU. There's a huge snowstorm. We were supposed to go right from Belmont to New Mexico, huge snowstorm. And so instead of, Coach Nagy's out always is during travel issues, is hop on a bus. So we bus from Nashville, where Belmont is, Nashville, Tennessee, all the way to Albuquerque. Uh, left on a Thursday, played at noon on a Saturday, and got in probably Albuquerque at Friday night, late Friday night. And, and New Mexico is 16-0 and and ranked 17th at the time. And, and probably got about, you know, five hours of sleep and turned around and beat them the next day. So I'm probably a little biased because it was such a good experience, but just the, the, sure there and, um, you know, 15,000 people, just a great fan base and just a cool place to play. Yeah, I remember that uh, tournament game you guys played against Baylor. Um, forgot it was at the pit, but it, was that that was a close game for quite a while, was it not, or am I mistaken? Yeah, it was. We, we, I think we cut, it to, uh, we cut it to three with about a minute and a half left. But we, we were up 19-7 at one point. Um, yeah, they, they, we had an older team, veteran team. Nate was a junior then, and they had a bunch of really talented kids, but they were freshmen and sophomores, which is, you know, at a mid-major level, that's exactly the kind of matchup you want is, you know, you're going to play talented kids, but you'd rather have your seniors and juniors play against young kids that maybe uh, don't handle the moment as well. Right, right. All right, so, you know, being we go way back, Brian – and we're both college coaches. We have a lot of mutual acquaintances, mutual friends. Um, one of those has been a guest of the podcast in the past. That's Matt Wilbur from Dakota Wesleyan. <laughs> Will. Um, so the question is, who's going to have more listens, Wilbur from last November or Coach Cooley from right now? Oh, man, I can't compete with Will. He's more likable than me, better personality, and better coach. So uh, I think Vegas probably has the, the line at uh, – I'm. Like probably minus one fifty. <laughs> <laughs> so, Wilds, if you're listening, Cooley's conceding. No, I should say plus one fifty. It's definitely yeah. I'm plus one fifty. Yeah, yeah, Wilds plus. Is the favorite on the underdog. That's right. So, Coach, I don't want to take up a lot of your time, and we've been rolling here for a while. But anything you want to add before before we let you go? Yeah, one thing too, just for the listeners, Mark is a you know obviously a great coach, but. Uh, this time of year, Halloween comes around. I just want to let the listeners know that Mark had the best Halloween costume. Um, back in third grade, he was Hayden Fry for Halloween. That's uh, for, for those of you who don't know, Iowa's old football coach. Uh, had the clipboard, the hat, the whistle, everything. The sunglasses. A big time Iowa Hawkeye fan. So hopefully you'll be that for Halloween this year as well. <laughs> well, that that's <laughs> definitely true, and I – haven't talked about it on the podcast a lot, but growing up as a diehard Hawkeye fan in Nebraska in the mid-90s was not always the easiest thing. Yeah. But, um, no, that, that's a true story. And, uh, you know, Coach, great having you on the podcast. Appreciate you. And uh, we'll, we'll probably have you back on sometime and maybe, hopefully, a potential March Madness preview episode with Wright State going. Sign me up. All right, man. Appreciate you coming on. Talk to you later. Okay. Thanks, Take guys. Care. Appreciate it.
So, Coach, as, as most people know, uh, we dedicate some of our valuable time to allow you to share some of your life wisdom uh, with our listeners in the form of Coach Figuera's life rules. So I'm going to turn it over to you. What do you have this week? All right, let's talk some restaurant etiquette. When you go to a restaurant where you order up at the counter, not talking about a sit-down place, could be fast food, could be you know a Chipotle-type place, if you're not ready to order, you don't step up to order. Let somebody else go ahead of you. Don't be the person that steps up and then has to examine the menu for the next five minutes. And I, I get on our guys about it sometimes, too. You know, it's like, guys, there's, there's 25 of us on the road when we're at Firehouse or Jimmy John's Subs or something like that. If you're 10th in line, how can you not be ready to go? You know, pay attention. Check out the menu. If you're not ready, let somebody go ahead of you, and, and we move on with our day. Yeah, I hear you. That It kind of hits home for me because, as my wife knows, I give her crap all the time. If we're going through a drive through or something at McDonald's where the menu hasn't changed since 1945, uh, and we'll be driving up and we'll pull up to the big board and, and she'll have to scan it and decide what looks good and all that. It, you know, it's McDonald's. You've had your whole life to think about what you want to get from McDonald's. Be ready in that moment. I know that's not exactly the same, uh, but I, I agree with you 100%. So, Coach, on that same front, as you know, we're, we've been doing some champs or chumps. Uh, and so I'm going to throw a couple at you here. And the first champ or chump is adults who wear a Halloween costume to work. And I'm going to say that doesn't include, that does not include students who wear something to a basketball game. That's obviously encouraged. But somebody who works at the local bank wearing their Chick-fil-A cow costume. How, what do you think about that? Well, first of all, Briarcliff students, wear your costumes to the game on Tuesday night. That's strongly encouraged. But to answer the question... I'm going to go chump. Uh, I haven't dressed up for Halloween, I don't think, since like eighth grade. And I'm certainly not going to do it as an adult. And I'm certainly not going to do it sitting in a very visible office in the Flanagan Center. Chump. My other champer, Chump, this is a uh, tie-in to the discussion about Omaha area-related food. Uh, but champer, Chump, somebody who takes their date to Valentino's. Buffet or non-buffet? Buffet. Champ. Because I'll, I'll tell you of what, course. Matt, back, back when I was in high school, maybe even before that, maybe middle school, they used to have some sweet late-night deals at Valentino's in Omaha. It was like $2 for a pizza-only buffet. That's a sweet deal. Now, I can't say I ever did that myself, but I'm all for it. Heck, yeah. Uh, back when I was a kid, we had a Valentino's in South Sioux City just right over the bridge when you looked down. And when that went away, it was devastating. I mean, that was a place where you went on everyone's birthday. And every every time we got to pick where we wanted to go, it was there. Like the Disney World of Food. Is yeah, Valentino's. It, it is. And it's kind of a it's a tradition we have in the program, too. If we play Hastings on a Saturday, we always go out Friday night. And that's where we always stop. It's funny because it's the one we go to is basically in Ralston, which is where I went to high school. And Nick Nelson always called it the West Omaha Valentino's, and it's so far from actually being in West Omaha. It's, it's, it's pretty funny. Well, before we uh, close things up here, uh, you know, as you know, we've been, we've been begging for some listener questions, and our listeners have come through in a big way and sent in several questions. And, in fact, I owe one person an apology. I did have a question the week before that I just uh, failed to uh, remember or acknowledge. So we'll get to that one. Here first, and I'm going to issue my apology to Jeff Carley, uh, the father of 
one of our recent guests, Jake Carley. And I'm just going to read his email verbatim because I don't think uh, paraphrasing it would do it any justice. So uh, here we go. This was from Jeff Carley. Hi, BC Buckets podcast, longtime listener, first time emailer. What selection criteria are you using to choose your guests? Last week's, and he's referring to uh, when his son was on, last week's podcast left me perplexed, confused, and bewildered. IHOP? McDonald's? Really? Maybe that player should venture out on his way to get a haircut and try to get some local cuisine. I hope that answer isn't something the entire family is judged by. We like One-Eyed Jacks, Alfredo's, Townhouse Pizza, La Juanita, just to name a few. All the best this season. Go Chargers. Signed a concerned fan and BCU women's slash men's b-ball dad, number one, number 11. Uh, Coach, did Jeff... You know, kind of, kind of save the family honor on behalf of Jake there. Yeah, he did, and and I, I, I'm, I was kind of kicking myself when Jake was on that I, I didn't really call him out for coming at us with IHOP as the best place to go eat in in Sioux City, and yeah, I, I was disappointed too. I, I can't hold that against the whole family, but uh, man, I, we've talked about some of the local places we have here in Sioux City, and. I kind of feel partly responsible myself that I haven't ingrained that into Jake, that he needs to try some of these local places. All right, we've got a handful of other questions here, so we'll try to get through these uh, pretty quickly. Uh, The first one's from Austin Bush, a guy we've talked about on the podcast before, former student coach. And he says, who has had the best shot of all student managers in the Sfagera era? We're just going to call that the Sfag era. Who has had the best shot of all student managers in the Sfag era? Oh, and then a follow-up question. He says, after our experience at Popeye's today, so you guys must have had lunch recently, what is your worst restaurant experience? Okay, so I'm guessing he wants to know who has the best jump shot of our student coaches. Um, that's a good question. I'm going to say Corey Hobbs could could stroke it. Um one of our current student coaches, Brady Brockhouse, he can shoot it a little bit. Bushy's shot was ugly. Bush could dunk, though, so he had that going for him. Bill, he no, he couldn't shoot very well. Dom Schwader could make some shots. Ethan Erdman definitely needs to be in this conversation, and Bobby Beach Patterson is very far down the list. Um, and in, in regards to the second part of the question, I did actually uh, mid-last week, Bushy and I had lunch together at Popeye's, and full disclosure – I had some hot sauce on my tray that I was dipping my chicken in, and I dropped a French fry into it, and it splattered up all over a white shirt. Probably the worst thing that's happened to me, I think it's actually been talked about on this podcast before, but my second year at Briarcliff, we played Northern Iowa in an exhibition game, stopped in Fort Dodge to practice, ate at Fazoli's, and the waitress dumped like a full tray of like five fettuccine Alfredos on my brand-new Nike jacket. And that still gets talked about. The players in our program weren't even there. Those guys graduated years ago. But it's just kind of famous. So anytime we're at Fazoli's, it gets brought up. But that's probably the worst thing that's happened to me at a restaurant. Back to the student coach jump shots. Any chance we could maybe get a uh, student coach alumni three-point shooting contest at next year's alumni game? That's a good idea. I like where this is heading. And uh, so all you guys that listen to the podcast, former student coaches, Let's make this happen next year. You've got one year to make it work. So figure out your travel plans. If you need to carpool, do whatever you need to do. And how about BC Buckets podcast sponsors that event? You cool with that? We can get a banner and and, uh, make it a whole thing. I like it. I think it's a great idea, Matt. 
Our next question comes from uh, another former student coach, uh, one who was just mentioned uh, a little bit ago. So you have to build the ultimate basketball player by taking the skills of NBA players. I know there's a lot more things to factor in, but you need to choose a players. And here are the following criteria. Shooting, post moves, finishing ability, passing, basketball IQ, strength, and defense. Maybe just pick a few of those and pick who comes to mind. That question's from Corey Hobbs. Hobbs, you gave me like 19 questions in one there. Um, let, let's tone that back a little bit next time. But do appreciate the question, Corey. All right, so if we're talking current NBA players, that's how I'm going to go here. Shooting, I want Steph Curry, no doubt about it. Uh, finishing ability, LeBron James. Passing, that's a tough one. There's some good passers. There's some underrated passers. Um, I still think I want LeBron James there, though. What were some of the other ones, Matt? Those are the first three I remember. Basketball IQ. Basketball IQ, Draymond Green. Defense. Kawhi Leonard. Post moves. Ooh, that's that's probably the toughest one because, you know, post play in the NBA is not what it once was. I think I'd just probably take Anthony Davis. You know, he's an all-around player, but he can definitely score it in the post. Go back to passing. Back in my middle school days, I had the Jason Williams behind the back off the elbow pass. I had are, that thing. Are you talking mastered. white chocolate, Jason Williams? Yeah. Yeah, he was something else. He kind of made number 55 popular. Yeah. Now I can't move my arms back far enough to be able to pull that off. But uh, I, was, I had that pretty down back in the day. A couple more listener questions. We're going to roll through these because I want to make sure we get to these. This one comes from Andrew Ryan. Uh, he says he loves listening to the podcast to keep up to date with the team. His first question who do you see right now in the conference besides yourselves as the best team? Well, that's that's a hard question to answer because like I talked about with the preseason polls and rankings and all those things, it's really just a guess. You know, you look at that preseason poll, I, I think top to bottom, the league's going to be as good as it's been the last few years, if not better. And, and Morningside's going to have a really good team. They're big, they're physical, uh, they do a great job on the defensive side of the ball. Dakota Wesleyan's going to be good. That That's a team, you know, we've had some epic battles with here recently. But they bring back a lot and, and are adding some nice new pieces. I think Dort, Northwestern, both are, are going to be really strong teams this year. And, you know, Jamestown coming into the league last year and, and doing what they did, I, they bring back some nice pieces too. So I, I don't have a, a surefire answer, you know, because even the teams I didn't mention right there I think are going to be really good. And just seeing some of the early season scores – and we haven't played yet, but a lot of the teams in the league have played a game or two. So I've had a chance to check out at least bits or pieces. And I'll tell you what, it, there's some good teams in the G-Pack this year. They're, it's just like every other there's going to be no nights off. And then Andrew's second question was, with the change to being just one division in basketball in the NAIA, how do you see this change the playoffs, teams you play, and the types of players you recruit? We've talked about the change in the playoff system, but uh, how do you think that will affect, if at all, uh, the types of players you recruit, the, the style, and the teams you play? Yeah, I, I think the biggest changes are going to be with just national postseason formatting, how that looks. And, and I think we maybe talked about that in the past, but it, it's going to be different. Um, you know, it'll be in it'll be in Kansas City for the final 16, but there'll be there'll be 16 four team sites around the country that you have to win to get to Kansas City. Um, in terms of how we recruit or, or play or anything, I don't really foresee changing anything. I think we found a nice niche recruiting wise and in, in the type of kid we want to have. 
the type of kid we can get and be successful with at Briarcliff. And, you know, we've played, and, and even this year, I think we play four NAI Division One schools. And I don't – I think there's a lot of disparity in styles of play maybe, and that can go conference to conference too. But in terms of what we're going to do, I, I don't foresee a lot of changes. And it's, it's one of those things that – I really won't know or have a firm answer until we're actually in that a year from now. This one comes from Nate Frankman. Uh, he says, "He says, Coach, you're a big fan of the atmosphere we get in the Newman Flanagan Center, and you've been a part of some crazy games. Is there any specific student section theme that's your favorite? Anything that's been done in the past and you hope to see again? Good question. That is a good question. And, you know, I, I first I need to talk about probably just some of the – biggest atmospheres we've had you know number one in my time at Briarcliff is 2016 GPAC tournament championship game when we played Nebraska Wesleyan and that was a game we trailed a lot of it came back late and ended up winning and I don't even think there was a theme that night I'm a big fan of the whiteout that's always fun you just see all the white in the stands those are fun a couple years ago we played Morningside I think they had denim day so people wearing jorts and and all kinds of stuff that was kind of funny um, to be honest, I, I don't always pay that close of attention, maybe during warm-ups, because I try to occupy my time instead of just pacing back and forth on the sideline. But uh, wideouts are always good. Uh, I'm kind of looking forward to, to Halloween theme this week. I'm um, Hopefully, you know, they're coming out with some creative, unique ideas and not just the same old stuff. I know we've talked about maybe seeing a 90s night theme or something like that, which I think would be a good time. Maybe more specifically 90s rap theme and get some of the music playing over the speakers. What do you think about that? Well, we're going to be careful with the music, uh, maybe some edited versions. But, you know, I'm a big 90s hip-hop fan. I think we all know that. And I think that's a great – that's something you've been pushing. You've been pushing that for a couple of years, actually, Matt. That was public. This is, this is pre-BC Buckets podcast. Matt Gall's been pushing that's a right. 90s hip-hop night. So that's – we could do that. You know, we also talked about like an and one mixtape tour night. If you remember that show on yeah. ESPN where the announcer is actually on the floor with the mic and, you know, everybody has a nickname like Hot Sauce or Escalade. Would the GPAC let us get away with one of those, uh, having the announcer on the court in the middle of the game? Yeah, I don't think so. You probably need to stay seated. Change out the nets for some chains and <laughs> open up the roof, see if we can get that done. Yeah, it's, it's a good idea. I don't know if we're going to be able to execute that. Not right now, at least. All right, so like we said, a busy week for Briarcliff basketball. We get going with games here already, which, again, is, is pretty unbelievable and pretty awesome. It's that time of year again. And so don't forget, make sure you get down here 7 o'clock Tuesday, October 29th at the Newman Flanagan Center. Halloween theme night, Briarcliff takes on Graceland. Uh, should be a great atmosphere. I know the Blue Crew is going to be rocking. Uh, it's going to be a, a great night to get down here and see what this 1920 team looks like uh, and then if you can make the trip down to Bellevue five o'clock at the Bellevue Classic they Bradcliffe takes on Bellevue and then the next night turn around same time same place uh, they take on Nebraska Christian College all right coach then real quick let's hear uh, any shout outs that you have this week yeah I have two actually because I very rarely can keep it to one and uh, the first one is Briarcliff baseball in general because they've been great fans and great student supporters of our program. But they have a new coach this year, Coach Corby McLaughlin, and, and, and his staff. I think they're going to do a great job. There's obviously tradition and history with the baseball program at Briarcliff. And I'm really excited to see what Coach McLaughlin and his staff and, and this team can do this upcoming season. And then my second is a preemptive shout-out 
to the Blue Crew members, Briarcliff students, I brag about our student section. I talk about it with our recruits. Let's keep that thing rolling. Look forward to seeing you all Tuesday night and all year long. And I've got one real quick. I saw this on Twitter. Uh, senior Delaney Meyer for the volleyball team surpassed 2,000 career assists for Briarcliff women's volleyball, just the sixth player in program history to hit that milestone. So awesome achievement for Delaney. Uh, congratulations on that. Uh, busy week ahead. We will be back a week from now to talk about how those games went, to talk about the upcoming week of games. Uh, make sure you get those listener questions sent in. Those are a lot of fun. Those can get sent in to bcbucketspodcast at gmail.com. Otherwise, you can shoot a tweet to us at bcbucketscast. Again, that's bcbucketscast on Twitter. On behalf of Coach, my name's Matt. We look forward to talking to you next week.